0: But, uh, our nursery worker is Mary this morning, so <laughs> she is on her way back there, so if you want to take advantage of the nursery, you're free to do so at this time, uh, so the nursery workers are, are heading back there. Um, so I, I mentioned just a minute ago that uh, one of our, our goals was to lead the church better in the area of, of evangelism. Well, Pastor Adam, uh, as his role as one of the pastors and elders of this church, is uh if we were to label him with a title, it would be the pastor of evangelism and discipleship here at the church. And uh, so, with him doing this, me and him had uh, some conversations, and then we sat down with, uh, or I sat down with Brother Channing and explained, expressed to him uh, this this heart cry of mine for this year. And so, through uh, initially a conversation that I think uh, lasted at least an hour, hour and a half. And then some, some conversations that, that took place afterwards, um, we believe that there is a, uh, uh, a plan sort of put together that uh, uh, Pastor, and Adam, Pastor Adam and I are uh, 110% on board with. We are super excited about it. And uh, to sort of give you an understanding of, of a biblical framework for what we're about to talk about Uh, We've asked Channing to come and uh, preach to you uh, this morning, and so when I said that things were going to be a tad bit different, Channing is going to preach uh, a rather shorter message this morning, and then I'm going to come back up here and then uh, going to talk a little bit about the specifics of the application of his message to our church. Uh, So uh, you'll understand all of this by the time we get to it, so without any further delay, uh, I'm going to ask Brother Channing if he'll come and open the word for us this morning.
1: Alrighty. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 14. And as you're turning there, um, Jesus often told parables and said, blessed are those who hear what you hear and see what you see. And one of the greatest prayers in the Bible is when Moses asked the Lord to show him his glory. Uh, That's what we need above everything else. We need spiritual eyes to see, to see God lifted up. So, Before I start this one, I'm going to ask my brother Tyler, if he would, to pray for us, for God to help us to see his glory in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to have you to bookmark that Luke 14, because we're going to be jumping around this morning. This is more of a topical message this morning, but we're going to use Luke 14 several times, so hold your spot there. But if we were to ask the world, or not ask the world, but if we were to ask uh, Scripture, what is a healthy church? uh, Obviously, the faithful preaching of the Word, uh, preaching of the Gospel, faithful preaching of the Gospel. um, We would see even... Uh, scripture talks about a lot of one-anothering, a lot of the idea of fellowship with the body of Christ, living together as believers. But one of those marks, obviously, is evangelism, a people who share the gospel, boldly proclaim Christ to the world, and as soon as we hear that word, we think immediately, oh, that's that ain't my gift. That's not my gift. I'm, I'm not an evangelist. I mean, the Bible talks about he gives prophets and preachers and teachers and evangelists and I'm just, I'm just not an evangelist. I mean, think of what Adam's doing. I mean, how many of us here would be comfortable beating the streets down and going to the courthouses and everywhere else sharing the gospel with people you don't even know? You know, a lot of times that's cold, called cold evangelism. You don't have any relationship with them. You don't know these strangers or go up to their door, knock on the door and say, Hi, we're from the church, and we just want to talk to you about Jesus. I mean, some of y'all are getting sweaty right now even thinking about <laughs> that, you know. But there's another way of doing evangelism that we see in Scripture that really comes out of the heart of God. It's through hospitality. Through hospitality. And and we see Jesus doing a lot of hospitality. We see God himself orchestrating and, and ordaining hospitality throughout Scripture in reaching people in God's global plan of saving sinners. So hospitality is not an end in itself. It's a means whereby God seeks to draw people into the kingdom of God. Let me give you just a few examples. Uh, Like I told you, hold your place there in Luke uh, 14, but go over to Exodus 24. And as you're going over to Exodus 24, I want you to think about this. There's seven different feasts in the Old Testament where God calls his people together to come and eat and drink before him. Seven different feasts, major feasts that Israel was supposed to stop all work and come before God and celebrate before Him. Exodus 24, verse 11. This is where the leaders of Israel see God. And listen to what it says. And God did not lay His hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They saw God and ate and drank. Isn't that interesting? How often we see... The idea of God meeting with people and then the idea of hospitality or food and drink is included with that. Turn over to Isaiah chapter 25. And as you're turning there, I'll I'll give you another example here. When you see at the end of time when history is up, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Isaiah 25 verse 6. I know I'm being a little fast this morning, but on this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples. Now Listen. The gospel is not just for Israel. <laughs> it says for all peoples. Even here in the Old Testament, God's global plan—a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged well, of wine well refined. I mean, you compare this in the Old Testament as uh, Pastor John went through the Minor Prophets that it talks about when God's judgment is coming, it often spoke of it in terms of not having food or crops or meals or celebrations before God. So God's blessing and God's covenant presence in terms of eating and drinking before God, in the terms of hospitality, and then God's judgment, God turning away, as often is the absence of those things. Think of Simon the leper and the woman who anointed Jesus' feet. Where, where, did, that, where did that happen? In a home. Mary and Martha, you know, the Mary and Martha, or the Martha syndrome, where she was busy serving and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. Where did that that happen? In a home. When they tore through the roof to let the paralyzed man down, obviously in a home. Levi the tax collector, when Jesus saved him, what happened? He had Jesus in his home. Jairus' daughter, when the Lord raised her in Jairus' home. Zacchaeus in the fig tree. And and there's many more we could go through. What God does is he reveals himself, what he's like to others, often through meals, often through a hospitality setting, in order to save sinners. Hospitality is a means that God often uses to seek to win the lost. Now the word hospitality is made up of two words. It means of love and stranger or love and guest. It means simply to love strangers, to love guests. In the biblical times when uh, people would, a stranger would come into town, it was, it was obligatory obligatory, to take that person and take them into your home and show hospitality to them, feed their animals, welcome them. Now in the West, this is not so much so. We're very isolated and very fractured. But when uh, we were in Murfreesboro and we, we hosted a lot of internationals from the college and the English Corner, some other places like that, it would be 6 o'clock in the evening, right at time for dinner, and we would hear, hear this. Or we would get a phone call. Yes? Are y'all home? Yes. Okay, I'm at your back door. Okay, well, give me one second. And they would show up expecting hospitality because that's their culture. And we sought to show that through them. Katie said that during that, we, we finally learned what the Bible verse meant to practice hospitality without complaining. You know, when you have... People show up three, four times a week at your house, you know, and stay from six to eleven o'clock times. Oh, Lord give us grace. We wanna love these people in Jesus' name. But we had a lot of great opportunities to tell these people about Jesus. Some people from closed countries that, that we couldn't get in there. Saudi Arabia, Mecca, the capital of Islam, people would come in our home and we would get to share the gospel with them through hospitality. I know you're in Luke 14, but again, hold your spot there. Turn over to Luke 19:10. 10. What, what does Jesus show us about the heart of God through hospitality? What do we see about Jesus? Luke 19:10. we know this verse. It's very familiar to us. It says, Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. Now, here's what's interesting. Jump back a few verses to verse 5. When Jesus said he's come to seek and to save the lost, what's the context going on here when he says this? It's Zacchaeus. Listen to what Jesus says. I must be at your house. I must stay at your house. The Son of God came to this earth to be at Zacchaeus' home to bring the gospel to him through hospitality. There's intentionality in the Lord Jesus Christ in seeking the lost. He's not haphazardly walking around. He's intentional bringing people into relation to himself. So that's one thing we see. Jesus reveals that he intentionally seeks out sinners, that he loves sinners and he intentionally seeks them out. That's the heart of God. God. If we're not intentionally seeking out sinners to bring them in contact with the gospel, we don't have the heart of Jesus. That is his heart, shown through hospitality. Secondly, look, in, look at now at Luke 14. In Luke 14, Jesus, around verse 12, tells a parable about a great banquet, about the kingdom of God. What is, what is God's welcoming and, and loving heart a lot like? Well, it is, it is that very thing that in hospitality Jesus reveals that God is a welcoming and receiving God. He tells this parable uh, in verse 12 uh, through 24. He, says, he said to a man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or brothers or relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And Jesus goes on and tells about the parable of the banquet. People begin to make excuses. But go down with me to verse 22 and 23. As Jesus tells them, he commands them to go out and gather these people. Where? To your house. Bring them in. That's the context of verse 12 and 15. Bring them in your house. Why? He says, the man says, The servant said, Sir, what you've commanded has been done, and there's still room. Okay, well, you did your job, so you're off the hook. No, he says, the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways, the hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. That is the heart of God, that Jesus, through hospitality, reveals that God is a God who welcomes and receives sinners. He is a welcoming receiving God. I mean, this this idea of compel, go back to verse uh, 23. Compel them. Folks, listen, that is a very forceful word. It can be translated either force or violence. I mean, it's kind of the idea of like, go out and shove them into the kingdom. Pick them up and drag them in. That's how concerned that God is for us getting sinners to the gospel. Well, I just want to be milly-mally about it. I don't know. I don't want to offend anybody. Compel them. The urgency, time, the judgment to come, the heart of God wanting to welcome and receive these people. Revelation 22:17, the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who's thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I, I mean, the heart of God is this. It's open arms. Come. Anyone who's come, re- receive freely. Oh, don't worry about it. Come and receive. And when we don't share the gospel with people, when we don't seek them and love them, we walk around like this with our arms crossed. We don't give off the sign that God's a welcoming, receiving God. But we need to have open arms, open homes. This is the imagery that Jesus uses through hospitality, that he's a welcoming and receiving God of sinners. I mean, don't you remember what it was like for you to be lost? To have the guilt, the shame, the brokenness, the alienation from God, no life with the people of God. I mean, how can we not sympathize with these people? Because guess what? We have more in common with the lost that are out there in the street and all the things that they're doing than we do with God himself. They are sinners. And we are sinners saved by grace. And again, we, I give God praise for this. We had multiple internationals tell us that y'all are our family. We love coming over here. This is our home away from home. We feel so welcomed here. Again, it's just the power of hospitality, of seeking to make Christ known. They see through the hospitality that God's heart is a welcoming and receiving, warm, inviting heart. I mean, we got one friend right now that we have uh, loved on this lady for over four years. And you know what she's doing now? When she first came in here, she said, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. This is all fiction. And now she, she called last week and said, hey, I'm going to church up here uh, in, in northern Murfreesboro, and uh, she calls my wife and says, hey, will you, and time they, they talk about what they can pray about. Just loving on these people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Also, what does hospitality reveal? What does Jesus reveal about God through hospitality? Look over and hold your spot again in Luke 14. We'll come back, but in Luke 15, that God is a celebrative, joyful God who loves to share that with others. God is a celebrative, joyful God who loves to share that with others. This this is three stories right here about something that's lost that gets found. A sheep, a coin, and then the prodigal son. But listen what he says in verse 6. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. Verse 10. Rejoice with me. I'm sorry, verse 9. Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And here's what's interesting. In the next section about the prodigal son, Where does the joy and the celebration take place at the end of the story? In the Father's house. Isn't that interesting? In the Father's house. See, what we tell the sinner through hospitality and sharing the gospel with them about who Christ is is that God rejoices over his people. We tell them that we want you to have a taste of of grace, of his potential, of great joy over you. And that we're glad you're here, that God is a welcoming, receiving God. God is a a joy-sharing and joy-giving God. God is a intentionally seeking the lost God. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord sings over His people. I mean, do the lost get that kind of sense about what God's like if we invite them in our home? That God is a God who welcomes... I mean, think through the Gospels again. How many times people just flocked to Jesus? I mean, tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners. I mean, all these unclean and broken people flocked to Jesus. And it often through hospitality. I got a friend of mine, and uh, you can pray for him. He's struggling with some health issues. A godly, godly man. He he would say this all the time. He said, you know what's bad? He said... uh, Is to be lost. That's really a bad place to be. But he said, you know what's worse than that? He said to be lost and nobody be looking for you. May we have the heart of Jesus. Jesus also reveals through hospitality that God is by nature a God of fellowship and communion. That is God's triune, Father, Son, and Spirit. I mean, think again in verse 12 through 15 in chapter 14 that go get all these people, bring them in. I want my house full, not half full, not empty, not mostly full. I want my house full. In John 14, 2 to 3, Jesus says, In my, my Father's house there's many dwelling places, and I go and prepare a place for you, that where I am that you may be also. What does Jesus want? He wants us with Him, with the Father. I mean, that's what these hospitality meals reaching the lost show. I mean, the kingdom is often described as a big feast in Scripture. I mean, even here in Luke 14 and so forth. I mean, this idea of celebration, the new heavens and new earth, the festive and new wine. God bringing us into fellowship with, with Father, Son, and Spirit. Folks, think about, think about the world, the lost world. They, they, they don't have this kind of fellowship. They don't have this kind of intimacy. They don't have, uh, they don't. as Luke was saying earlier, that there's this emptiness in man, and yet we, they suppress the truth also, and they sin against God. But listen to the words of that song, of Ho- O Holy Night. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Now listen to this. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The sin under the curse, men under judgment, men who forsake God and are forsaken of God. And yet that baby coming into the world to bring light and to rescue sinners. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voice as it goes on. Folks, we have the opportunity in a warm home over a nice, warm meal to a world that's cold and broken and isolated and shattered and filled with guilt and shame and alienation from God, what we used to be ourselves, that we can say, look and behold who our God is. He receives sinners. He loves sinners. He seeks sinners. He wants his house full to enjoy fellowship with him. God is intentional. A radically and deeply broken and sinful people need a God who lavishes on them his wonderful, wonderful grace to come and freely receive. Now the problem here is this, that God's a holy God and man's sinful. How can this God who wants to lavish so much on us and Bring us into joy and fellowship with him. How can these things be brought together? Again, in John 14 where Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. Yes, he's, he's probably talking about the, the new heavens and new earth. But how did he really prepare a place for us? He went and laid down his life. He, he took the wrath of God at Calvary. Bore the wrath that sinners deserve that, and, and was crucified. That those who put their trust in him may receive life and forgiveness. And welcoming in to... The presence of God. So we don't get Jesus to get salvation. We get salvation so we can get Jesus. He, he is our life. Revelation 22.4 says that the ultimate hope for the Christian is that they shall see his face. And that we taste and see the goodness of God. Because none of this happened by accident. It was God being intentional in rescuing sinners through his son Remember what hospitality meant? It meant to love guests and love strangers. That's the gospel. That's what Jesus did for us. That he came and took strangers, those alienated from God, invited them in, often through hospitality, and poured out grace and love on them. That those who repented and put their faith in him, because he died for sinners and rose again, had life and have life with him. With this, I'll close and turn it back over to Pastor John. This is the vision that through all these things that Jesus has revealed the heart of God through hospitality. So I pray that we'll use our home to host lost people, to share a meal with them, and intentionally, intentionally share the gospel that they may indeed taste and see, not that our food is just good, but that God is good, right? taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, I just want to read Luke 14 to you one more time. In verse 12, then Jesus said to the man who invited him, when you host a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your friends or brothers or relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise they may invite you to return and you and your relatives, or excuse me, and you will be repaid. But when you host a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Since they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. God, through hospitality, reveals he's a saving God, a welcoming God, a rejoicing God who's willing to share that with others, a God who lavishes his grace and his presence on those. May we imitate him and open our homes to make Christ and his gospel
0: known. Thank you, Brother Channing, and uh, by way of application, I wanna talk to you a little bit about this. I, I, I think that, and he, he, uh, he, there's so much more, I think, uh, when you walk through the Bible, walk through the Gospels especially, you see um, of this. And I, and I mentioned um, a few weeks ago, if you remember, if you were here, that uh, we see Jesus, he goes to the synagogue, he reads the scroll of Isaiah, and then he says this is fulfilled here in your presence in your hearing and they are gnashing at him with their teeth and they like push him out and they were it says that they wish to throw him off the cliff and then he made his way through them and he was he was gone and if you watch it if you track it through the gospels he then begins to minister and, sh- and preach the good news in the open air and in homes and we see this, this sort of pattern now. Now, this is, this is, again, let me say this. This is a method, okay? It's a method that we believe and an application that we believe is derived biblically, but it is, it is a method. So we're not, don't get us wrong. We're not saying that, bless God, we're, we're, we're setting a thing that you, this is the only way you should do it. This is what everybody should do. But we think that we, we are looking at this and we're looking at this pattern and we're thinking, what a great way that we believe that a pattern that, that Christ set for us, that we can follow in to, to share the gospel. So let me just say this. We talked through this as well, and so let me just give you quickly three, three points of our application, and we may talk and, 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 and bounce a little bit off of each other with, with some of these things. But the first thing we wanted to say, uh, Pastor Adam and I, to the church, is commend you. We wanted to say, out of the ministries that I've been a part of, I mean, hospitality is really done here. And it blows us away. I mean, you are a church that is so willing to open up your doors, and you do hospitality great. And uh, it is—it's—it's it's really been sort of like uh, paradigm shifting almost uh, for me to get to know some of you. Uh, but what we're challenging, what we're challenging you to is—is is you were are doing hospitality hospitality great with each other. Let's use that to do it with the lost. So that is the commendation. Now we want to give you the challenge. So here's the challenge. Um, We want you to uh, think through people in your life, friends, family, neighbors. Now when we're saying this, what we're meaning is somebody that is close to you. Not probably, we, we, we understand there's probably many of us here that have uh, lost loved ones, lost friends or family that live in other states. That's not necessarily what we're speaking about. When we're talking about this aspect, we're talking about somebody that is close to you in your vicinity, friends, family, or neighbors. And we want you to take from today to the end of the month, so to the end of February, and pray. Pray. Pray for someone. Pray that God will give a specific name to you. Pray for someone specifically that you can then uh, begin to work in this avenue of. So pray for someone. Pray for someone. Get a family. Get a name. Get a person on your heart and your mind that you take to the Lord about an opportunity for this. So that's the challenge. Then the charge. Here's the charge. For the month of March... This is our, our first go-around with this. This is what we're going to try to do, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm in with you. So this is my wife, our family, we're going to do the same thing. This is our charge for the church, to enact your hospitality in this month. So you pray from now to the end of the month for a name. From March 1st to March 31st, the, challenge, the charge is, is that you begin to seek opportunities to invite them over to your home. To be able to, you're having a lost person or a lost family in your home to begin to show that hospitality too, um, and and quite honestly, if this is this you have to, and we can work with you, and you can bounce questions off of Channing myself, or if if you have the opportunity to talk to Pastor Adam, and you can talk about different ways, like you being wise about how you talk with them, like if they come over. How you talk with them about sharing the gospel, that kind of thing. Let let me tell you what we're not telling you. We're not telling you and instructing you, have somebody over, have dinner with them, and then as soon as the dessert's served, all right, if you were died today, are you 100 percent sure that you go to heaven or hell? That's not exactly what we're trying, we're we're getting across. Because Channing will tell you, and Katie too, and let me tell you something about them. They've lived this. They have lived this. He mentioned really briefly, and I really, I, I, I really encourage you to get with them and, and listen to the story of this young lady. Uh, not comfortable mentioning her name, or can we mention her name? Oh, okay. okay, her name's Saba. You go and ask them about the story of Saba. He, you're talking about years here, and just seeing what God is, and, and, and now they're beginning to see God draw her. So you're, I'm not talking about you're going to see somebody come to Christ that first time you have them over. And you also have to use wisdom about, are they ready to go that direction this time? You may have a family member that says, you know what, listen, I, I know we're, you're, you're a Christian, I know you're a believer, but that's not me. You take your time, you love them. You love them. I love what uh, Channing and, and I were talking about this, this actual objection. He, he said, no, he said, do, do things. You're not shielding your faith from them, but you're, not, you're also not like throwing it in their face. In other words, uh, uh, one area is like, okay, before we eat, it's all right if we just, uh, we're, we're, we are a Christian family and we, we pray for our meal before we eat. So uh, we just want to let you know, we're going we're to pray now. Just, and you can pray the gospel in the prayer. And so that's what we're looking for we're like, for the month of March. And we'll just, we'll just scatter this and just begin to build a relationship with somebody that's lost and having them over to your home. Um, Channing, is there anything that you'd like to add as far as the application there? And uh, you, I think your mic is still on, so if you want to come back up and stand right here with me. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that we, we saw also a biblical pattern of was, uh, and here's an easy way, because I was talking to someone the other day in the church about how they were having a conversation with somebody and that, that thing came up in their mind. You know what I'm talking about, where you're like, I know I should share the gospel with him, But then you go blank. You know what I'm talking about, because you've had it from having a you. And so one of the things that I said, you know, what did Paul do? Think about this. How many times was Paul in the situation? What did Paul do? He told his story. He says, let me tell you about what happened to me while I was walking down this road. And I was, I was talking about that with Channing. He said, it's not just Paul. And he starts showing me each and every person. You see the people that come and have interactions with Christ. And then what happens to them? You know, uh, the, here's, here's a case in point. And you see this pattern. The woman at the well. The woman at the well leaves her pale. She, she is changed by Jesus. And she does what? What is the thing? What comes out of her mouth? Listen, you guys need to repent. You're dead in sin. You need to do the ABCs of No, what did she say? She said, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now watch this. This is this is the key of using your story, your testimony to share the gospel with others. All right, so it's just a threefold pattern. What was your life like before Jesus? What was your like life before life like before Jesus? How did you trust Jesus as your Savior? And then here's the third part. What's life been like since Jesus? Now you see this. Now watch. Go back to the woman at the well. What did she say? Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now what did she say? What was your life like before Jesus? They knew her. She knew they knew her. He told me everything I ever did. That's what her life was like before Jesus. Then, how did she trust in Jesus? She said, come see a man. Come see Jesus. And then, what has life been like since Jesus? She's telling them. This, she did not act this way. What did she do? She's coming way out of her comfort zone. And she's saying, and they're automatically seeing the change in her. This is how you are since you met this guy. We want to meet this guy. And so, that's just a, do you have anything to add as far as, as, far as that, as far as sharing your testimony
1: well, it's it's just it's natural. I mean, you don't have to try to think of fifty different uh, ways to come up with against objections or how to turn the conversation this way or that way. You don't have to think about any of that stuff. And not only that, uh, nobody can deny your story. I mean, they, they can have whatever objection they want to whatever issue, but they can't they can't look at your life. I mean, I look at my testimony. Channing was an ACDC fast driving car crazy, do everything. Kind of guy. And then one day, Channing's coming in school, handing out gospel tracts with a cross shaded back of his head, you know, telling about how, how Jesus saved him. Now, that, that might be a little more, you know, out, out <laughs> of balance or whatever, but uh, they can't deny that what my life was like before, um, something happened to him. Yeah. You know, something. Well, you you know, even, that something was Jesus.
0: Even think about the blind guy. What did the blind guy say? He said, I, they, they keep questioning. They keep questioning. All I know, yeah. once I was blind, Came into contact with this guy, Nancy. You know, that it's what was your life like before Jesus? How did you trust in Jesus? What's your life been like since Jesus? And that's just a testimonial pattern of sharing the gospel. And 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 like he said, you don't have to worry about memorizing some kind of rote, you know, type of thing that you've oh, I've left this part out. You know your story. You know your life. You know it's it, let me ask you this. Let's do this. Uh, so, while well, Channing's still up here, does anybody have any questions? <coughs> like, this is one of the things we were sort of concerned about. Like, okay, you're going to pray for the next few weeks, and then you're going to try this. But what about? You may have some questions or concerns about about doing this that that we haven't thought through or haven't addressed or anything like that. So, I hope.
1: just say that's a wisdom call just keep praying see what the Lord I mean really I'm not trying to be subjective here but I would just I would just keep praying see if the Lord would give y'all unity in that I mean that's what I would do
0: yeah it's not something that we're like oh you must have this one thing and just focus to you know that kind of thing but it's just this is just trying to give you just a practical uh, rubber meets the road idea of Mm -hmm. and a challenge and so yeah you may that you may know a hundred (laughs) people (laughs) <laughs> you know but just you know a- ask the Lord to sort of give you wisdom in, in that area
1: I think probably one of the biggest things that people are afraid of is how can I get into my own testimony like how do I open it up mm-hmm. start and I mean one of the easiest ways to do that is just say look I've known you for however long uh, have I ever told you how I became a Christian see what they say I mean if God's working in them they're going Or just say, I would like to tell you how I became a Christian. Is that okay? And they're either going to say yes or no. I mean, you can't make someone's heart ready to hear the gospel. That's not up to you. If they say no, that's not a failure on your part. It's just the Lord has not got them ready yet. Yeah. Okay? So you you can just say, can I tell you how I became a Christian? Oh, sure. You know? I mean, I I will say this, um, and I'm I'm not official record keeper or whatever, but... um, and all the years I've done evangelism, and even talking to people in our home, and even cold evangelism, which is on the street, kind of not knowing people, I've probably had about 95% of the people okay with me talking to them. So we have this big—I uh, mean, it's way out of expectation. Of saying they're going to get mad, they're going to throw—they're going to throw throw a fit, or that's just not—that's just not my experience out of, the, out of the many, many, many people through the years I've talked with. Um, and a lot of times, I've even had—believe it or not—sinners say, "Thank you for sharing that with me." Because they now understood why Jesus came, you know. Because I would ask them, what do you understand about who Jesus is and why he came? Well, he came to save, our, save us from our sins. Well, how are you going to get to heaven? Well, I'm going to try to do my best. You know, you, you see the disconnect. You know, just the lost mind doesn't get that it's Christ and Christ alone. But uh, don't be afraid that they're going to reject. Because in practicality, I rarely, rarely have encountered that with people. So.
0: That's good. Any anybody else would have any questions or concerns? Katie opportunity just keep I, 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 my mind goes to the story of the, the person who just that Jesus talks about that just keeps going after the judge yeah. you know and and eventually I, you know like not being rude about it but just if that's what God has laid on your heart I mean just just that, that continual drip is what Channing says sometimes yeah, just
1: yeah, you know and, I, and I, think, I think I think if I was approaching that I might would say okay well who else would you want us to think about while we're trying to get them to come, you know, and try to do that.
0: Yeah. Anybody else have any? Amber? Um, What about if you were saved at a very young age
1: and you don't have any wild story to tell how how your life changed? (laughs) Um. Yeah. Well, the thing is is that Christ always changes us, no matter if it's, you know, my wife grew up in a a Christianized home. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a non-Christian home. It may be like, hey, I thought I was a good person. I mean, my wife made a profession of faith at young, young age. she said, say, you know, I made a profession, but I really didn't know the Lord. Um, and then I'm, I'm just like, well, you know, I'm, the Lord saved me like a Damascus of experience. I and mean, that's where the Lord began to draw me. But um, the thing is, the, the bigger emphasis is not having the I was drunk, throwing up in a bar story, you know, so to speak. It's why I trusted Jesus, keep it on who Jesus is even in your story, it's really his story through you, you know Um, how did Christ save me I I remember when I was six I I just came under conviction of sin, and I knew I needed Jesus and asked him to save me, and I've been seeking to walk with him ever since then, so you don't have to have, quote, the bad stuff, the woman at the well story in the past, I mean we all got a past and if you got it, use it to try to highlight the, the change that Christ has made, but it's it's always that keep it on who Jesus
0: is, you know. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. remember the emphasis, not necessarily your story, the emphasis is Jesus. Emphasis, I, my story would be long similar to those lines. I mean, I grew up in church and when I was ten or eleven years old, I, I there's a visiting preacher, his old Cherokee Indian guy, and he was there preaching. He preached, you know, one of the the old fashioned revival meetings and it was like the last night of that and he preached on hell. And I sat there and listened to him describe hell from the Bible, and I, I said, you know what, if I, that's where I'm going, and it was so real to me that that's where I was going, I knew I needed to change, and I knew all the words to say, and I went to the altar, uh, that was the way they did it at our church, and I went to the altar, and then a guy come, and I said, I'm lost, and and I said, just let's get to the part where I pray, because I know what you're going to tell me, and uh, you know, I just, Jesus changed my life then, like I, I confess. I repented. I turned from the way I was going and turned to him. And, and he became Lord of my life that day. So, it, you know, I grew up in church. That was what. But the, I'd say the emphasis is not necessarily your story. The story is, is the mechanism that you're using. The emphasis has got to be Jesus. It's got to be Jesus. Yes. Yeah, and that would be sort of part of what your life been like since. And so you're telling, like, okay, this is this is what I, I experienced now in my life since he's changed me. That, that's great. That's really good.
1: I mean, I'll, I'll give you one quick story with, you know, Saba. She's not a believer. But, uh, I mean, I think, Kay, was it something about her job? Pray, and then it comes through, and she called her, Hey, I got this job, and it gave it gives Katie an opportunity to say, "Well, hey, remember we basically we prayed about that. And mm-hmm. The Lord is being gracious and answering you, you know." So she's reminding her that God is a living God, He's a hearing God, He's a working God, and you find that in Christ. And, in
0: and, and remind us again, how long have you guys sort of been ministering to Saba since the And I want you to remember that because don't expect when we say March first to March third, don't expect that you. What we're expecting from you is that you come in and say, well, I had this family over there. We're saved. We're, no. Some of these things that God does, like, like even Katie was even mentioning, they've been trying. It could be a year's thing. But isn't that how God really worked on a lot of our hearts? Drawing us, drawing us, drawing us. And then, and even, we, he even talks about the, there's some that sow the seed. Some, it waters. And then some reap the harvest. And so uh, just don't be discouraged if like, just understand. I guess what I was trying to set you up was proper expectations with some, some of these things. No. Um, do you have anything that you'd like to close yeah, I, with? I, well, no, I would just say
1: it's, uh, can God save the first time? Absolutely, Yeah. But that, yeah. that. But I mean, the, the point is is that we've got to have a long-term view of reaching people, yes. loving on them, building relationships, sowing into their life. You know, like even some of these internationals and others that, that came to our home, you know, on a repeated basis that, did we share the gospel with them? Yeah, we did. But after they kept coming over repeatedly, like, we didn't go through the Romans Road and things like that over and over. We, I mean, Jesus is, I mean, not just saying this, Jesus is our life, and we would just talk about him. He's part of our life. I mean, it would always come up. They would either talk about something going on in their life that we can say, well, we'll take that to the Lord and pray about. Or we would say, you know, what God's word says about that is this, da, da, da. I mean, you can always counsel them from God's word and direct them back to who the Lord is. So, uh, I mean, if it's just time. It's just real relationships, spending time with sinners and loving on them, as talked about in the message this morning, showing what God's like. And, uh, I mean, we've had people tell us that, uh, well, I'll tell you this. He's, he used to be the pastor of the mosque in Murfreesboro. And I won't go through all the details of how the word got back to me, but long story short, he told a stranger who told somebody I knew Happened to know me, and anyways, uh, said, you know that they're a Christian family, and they have loved on us so much, like we feel like we're part of their family. That it almost makes me feel like I want to be a part of what they have. Mm. Now, this is a pastor mm. of the mosque in Murfreesboro saying that, but it's just through hospitality. Yeah, and man, we've we have, they have come over at five o'clock and stayed till eleven thirty. I mean, talking about who Christ is, the gospel, why the blood atonement, and you know what? They they keep coming back. And we were scheduled to have them over just a few weeks ago, and then when I got sick, but got to reschedule that with them. But we love them. I mean, we love them. I mean, their their religion is diametrically opposed to the gospel. But we but we love them, and they love us. We know that. So uh, just love them to Jesus.
0: Love them to Jesus. That's good. Thank you, Channing. Thank you. Thank you. Let me uh, close with, with one other thing. Um, we this is and again, I understand this is a bit different Sunday morning than what we normally do. And uh, we felt that just with the way things uh, went with this and the way that we were going to present it, we felt like this was uh, okay to do this this, this Sunday and, and do it this way. And uh, we're going to, once we get this on Sermon Audio, we're going to strongly encourage everybody that wasn't here uh, to listen to it. Um, let me say this. We, we thought, we believed that this would be a great opportunity and a tangible way to get the church as a whole involved in evangelism even if you felt like you did not have the spiritual gift of being of evangelism, and I think it's a, a great method uh, that we would like to I'll say this this is we have a long term vision for evangelism. This is step one, <laughs> this, step one. Um, this is step one this is' it's really exciting when I think about it, but this is sort of like the first initial step and in getting to this uh, another thing that we talked about that I'll throw out there as I wrap up, and that is if you feel like maybe either you don't necessarily have the home to host someone in or you still are very, I just don't know how to do this. We partner up with another family. I thought that was a great idea that Channing Channing gave, but get together with another family and say, hey, um, I want to do this. You guys are really good already with hospitality and link up with each other and have a family over there and build those relationships that way. What a great opportunity to sort of work together as the body of Christ in that avenue. Okay, so... Um, and don't feel like you'd be inviting yourself over. Uh, Everybody here, let's just say we all have a universal understanding that if somebody comes and asks to use your home, you're good with it, okay? (laughs) All right, so uh, because it's for the cause of Christ, it's for the expansion of the kingdom, and it's for sharing the good news of the gospel. So um, again, if you have any questions, I'd still strongly encourage you, go and talk to Channing and Kenny and ask them about Saba. It's, It's a really amazing story. Like he said, she hasn't come to Christ yet, but you just see God working in it, in the situation. So, um, let's do this. Let's close this morning with a word of prayer, and let's pray that God can enact something here in our congregation, as uh, we can reach our our communities uh, with hospitality. Father, we come to you now. We we may have changed the the arrangement and the order up of of how we normally do that, but. Uh, do things and we see from your word how your dear son used hospitality to spread the good news. We see how people were changed by their encounter with Christ in the context of homes and hospitality. And so, Father, I pray that you will strengthen us now, encourage us as a church to go forward to use wisdom, but to be bold about sharing the good news and opening our homes. For some, this might be just the next thing they're excited about. But for some, Father, I recognize they could still, this could be very frightening to them, very concerning. And so, Father, I pray that you will just guide their hearts to an understanding of wisdom and truth of how this would be a way they could Obey you in the area of sharing the gospel. Father, I pray that using this, that you will allow us to see people come to Christ. That you will be glorified and that we can look back and praise you as we sang this morning. For great is your faithfulness through the evangelism of Grace Community Church. We love you and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name.